we'd like to welcome you back to part two of our really dedicated study on a review of this the Exovanicana reports online. This is going to be going through part three of that. So we'll go ahead and start here. As mentioned in earlier entries, the mountain range in Arizona where the Mount Graham International Observatory and the Lucifer device resides is considered one of the holiest mountains in America for Apache Indians. History suggests part of the reason Native peoples considered it holy and partly why the mountain was selected by the MGIO Consortium involves unusual atmospheric activity there in ancient times when UFOs called spirit lights move through the sky. It is also considered the location of metaphysical portals and other supernatural phenomena. So in other words, that's why they built it there. Going further, in 1988, an American science fiction horror film titled They Live, directed by John Carpenter, depicted a nameless drifter played by professional wrestler Rowdy Roddy Piper, who discovers the ruling elite are in fact aliens that have hypnotized the human race and are managing human social affairs through the subliminal messages concealed in memes in mass media. And isn't that interesting that last week I got into that thing on the cover of all these glamour magazines where they've got all these hidden messages embedded at like 97% transparency, embedded into the covers and elsewhere, and it's like obey, they'll say things like obey, sex, consume, exactly the same messages that were in this show they live. And they're really doing it in real life. Isn't that a coincidence? In an important earlier scene of this movie, Nada, as the Piper character is called, enters an alleyway and finds a box containing black sunglasses. He puts on a pair and soon discovers they include a very special filter. Looking through them, he sees the reality of the bleak world they live in, that global media and the advertising actually contain totalitarian commands of obedience and conformity in consumerism to control an unwitting human population by human humanoid aliens with grotesque skull-like faces. Now, this relates heavily to the teaching I did on the Grenada Treaty, where we went back and, I believe, proved that our government has been in league with these entities, these evil entities, since I believe going all the way back at least to the 40s, if not further. From a presidential standpoint, we have been in league with them. And you say, oh, I don't believe that. Well, listen to it first before you dismiss that. Because it would make perfect sense as to why we've had such an explosion in technology as well. Because that is why we got in league with them. A big reason. We wanted their stuff. We wanted their technology. And it's funny, since the time that that Grenada Treaty, that is when we had the, was signed, that was when we had the explosion in technological advances like the world has never known. We have all these thousands of years where we really didn't go that far technologically. And then all of a sudden, we get to the, you know, the 1900s, and now all of a sudden everything just explodes exponentially. Up to the point now where it's just increasing. So, anyway, the people that also want disclosure, the New Agers that want disclosure, when you poll them, and I've said this before, the main reason they want disclosure of this alien life is because they want the technology. They will sell their soul Souls for more technology. Just make my life better. Make me a god. And I'll sell my soul to you. No problem. 
That's why they want disclosure. That is the main reason. I've heard them say it more than once. Okay? So, going further, um, he puts on a pair of these glasses and he can see what the world really looks like. And he can actually see these um, humanoid aliens with their grotesque skull-like faces. Though a commercial failure at the time, the film eventually made its way to the top 25 cult classics where it remains presently, according to Entertainment Weekly magazine. The film and the theatrical posters can often be found today in mocking editorials depicting the goals of totalitarians and elitists, but another suggestion of the work that usually goes without discussion is how the world really might be infested with non-human agents of an unknown reality about which the bulk of mankind is totally unaware. Oh, now you've went too far. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Jesus Christ said, as it was in the days of Noah, so shall it be in the days of the coming of the Son of Man. Okay? Whether you believe in pre, post, or mid-trib, we are in the days of the coming of the Son of Man. We could be right on the cusp of the start of the tribulation. Okay? So from a timeline, we're right at the end. Okay? We have the technologies all in place. Everything's already set. As it was in the days of Noah, yeah, I discussed that earlier. Fallen angels took women, procreated with them. Giants came. Got so bad that the giants defiled the whole world through their sin and wickedness that man's mind was only continually fixed upon evil. So much so that God was regretful that he even created man, essentially. Read Genesis 6. God had to literally start over. It was so bad. And saved eight people on the ark and the animals that hadn't been defiled. I'd start over. That's how bad it got. Okay. As it was in the days of Noah, so shall it be in the days of the coming of the Son of Man. It's just that today, and again, I'm not going to be dogmatic about this, but it's much more, I believe, subtle. Back then, there were just giants walked around. And you did their bidding or you probably died. Unless you had a relationship with God who was protecting you. Now, we've got a lot more devices of Satan. A lot more ways to deceive and delude. It's not as obvious. But, I'm not going to discount the fact that this couldn't be taking place. Non-human agents of an unknown reality about which the bulk of mankind is unaware. I'm not going to say that that couldn't be reality. It was in Noah's day. And Jesus said it was going to be like that before he returned in this day. How do you, how do you like explain that away? So now we know that devils and their militaristic interest in people and geography are a fact, according to the Bible. In the Old Testament, demons are seen as living behind um, idolatry like in Deuteronomy 32.17. And in the, in the New Testament, every writer refers to their influence. Extra-biblical texts referred to in the Bible, like the Book of Enoch, agree with this concern. Early church fathers also reinforced the belief that evil spirits seek to thwart the will of God on earth through attacks on the body of Christ in particular, and against society in general, as unseen intermediaries, both good and evil. I mean, we know there's unseen evil intermediaries trying to thwart the will of God and targeting the body of Christ and trying to commit evil. That's unseen. What if they took, what if they took bodily form? Why would that be so incomprehensible? 
These spirits seek to inhabit a body. The Bible is very clear on that even in the New Testament. Or the Nephilim, the disembodied spirits of the Nephilim. They seek to inhabit a body. That they once, that because why? Because they once inhabited a body. I went through that in the teaching I just recently did on what Enoch talks about regarding that. So I don't see why that's so far out of the realm of reality. I mean, put it this way. A gray alien is a demonic container, essentially, for that demonic life form. These things have been killed before. Okay, so it was a container for a wicked, evil, malevolent spirit, essentially. Okay, same concept as the Nephilim. So going further, um, that evil spirits seek to thwart the will of God on earth through the attacks on the body of Christ in particular, and against society in general. As unseen intermediaries, both good and evil, attempt to influence humanity at home, in church, in government, and in society. While the dominion of these entities and their goals are frequently overlooked, close collaboration between these evil entities and the unregenerate human social architects operates on a regular basis outside the purview of countless of multitudes who are blinded to their reality. Let me tell you something. Like these 13 families of the Illuminati, for instance, they take their marching orders, and I've heard particularly Rothschilds in general, directly from Satan. Why would that be so incomprehensible. Rothschilds being the top family in the world decide the price of gold and silver pretty much every day. Why would it be so incomprehensible that Satan literally manifested to them and told them exactly what to do and what the families below them or governments below them are to do? I don't see why that would be so incomprehensible. Um, in other words, as suggested in the film, they live behind governors, legislators, presidents, dictators, and even religious leaders. Wicked spiritual powers move throughout the machine of the church, civil governments, and media as freely as they are allowed. Okay, so let's prove this. Let's prove this biblically, what we're talking about here. Um, regarding whether they're in a body or not in a body. It's the actual spirits, the evil entities we are actually battling. Okay? Why do I say that? Ephesians 6.12 For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities. These are wicked principalities. Against powers, wicked powers. Against the rulers of darkness of this world. Against spiritual wickedness in high places. Wherefore, take unto you the whole armor of God, that ye, may, that ye may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all to stand. Okay, well what if you don't take on the whole armor of God? Well then there's a very good likelihood you're not going to be able to withstand in the evil day. That's the consequence. That's why it's very important you literally are putting on the whole armor of God. And like, preferably every day. Why? You want, to, you want to be able to withstand an evil day, don't you? Well, pretty much every day is evil anymore. It's only going to get worse. Ephesians 2.2 2, Wherein, in times past, you walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince and the power of the air. That's Satan. The spirit that now worketh in the children of disobedience. See, it's the spirit 
of the prince and the power of the air that works in the children of disobedience. It's just not they're doing it just on their own volition. It's a spirit that's working through them. 1 Peter 5.8 Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary the devil, as a roaring lion, walketh about, seeking whom he may devour. These are the spirits behind this evil that I've been talking about today. Next verse. Whom resist steadfast in the faith. You resist the devil. The Bible says resist the devil and he will flee. How do you resist them? You have to resist them steadfast in the faith. The faith of the Lord the the Lord Jesus Christ. A Bible-believing, born-again Christian. You have to have faith. Without faith, it is impossible to please God. Faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. So that's how you build up your faith. One of the ways. Faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen. So it always seems to come back to faith regarding how we fight our battles. Or it's a huge component. Colossians 1.16 For by him were all things created, that are, and this is referring to Jesus Christ, that are in heaven and that are in earth, visible and invisible, meaning if, let's say in this case, a evil entity manifested in a physical form, or let's say it was invisible, you couldn't see it. All things were created. By Jesus Christ, that are in heaven, that are in the earth, visible and invisible, whether they be thrones or dominions or principalities or powers. Didn't we just refer to principalities and powers in the verse about we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers? Yeah. All things were created by him and for him. This whole good versus evil thing. Where do we prove that? Proverbs 16.4 The Lord hath made all things for himself, yea, even the wicked for the day of evil. I don't quite fully comprehend that, but it's the word of God, and it's true. God hath made all things for himself, yea, even the wicked for the day of evil, for their destruction. There are vessels of wrath fitted for God's destruction, as the Bible refers to them in Hebrews. Fitted means to be prepared ahead of time. They were preordained under this condemnation. Ordained under this condemnation, like the Bible talks about in Jude. Certain men that crept in unawares. Ungodly men. Okay? The wicked go astray from the womb. They speak lies as soon as they be born. Uh... Some people are just born wicked. They're tares. There's wheat and there's tares. Okay? The tares are just tares. They're born that way. They're wicked. They're prepared for this. They're, the wicked are prepared for the day of evil. So, that's just the way it is. Referring to, referring to Jesus Christ, Colossians 2.15 says, and having spoiled principalities and powers, he made a show of them openly, triumphing, triumphing over them. Over them in it, I'm sorry. So, Jesus Christ, having spoiled these principalities and powers, these wicked ones, and making a show of them open, openly, triumphing over them, whenever such principalities 
recognize a religious and political body that has become a force for moral good. They set about through a sophisticated labyrinth of visible and invisible representatives to bring that organization down one righteous soul at a time. That's a given every single time. The devil, through a sophisticated labyrinth of visible and invisible representatives, sets about to bring that organization down one righteous soul at a time. So that's just something we should just understand and and comprehend. It is within this concealed arena of evil supernaturalism that unregenerate men are organized. Under demonic influence, they are orchestrated with a great evil system or empire described in various scriptural passages as a satanic order. In more than 30 important biblical texts, the Greek New Testament employs the term cosmos, describing this government behind government. Meaning a satanic government behind a like a satanic, invisible, demonic government behind a government, a real physical government, like Washington, D.C. would be a great example. So going further, it is here that the human ego, separated from God, becomes hostile to the service of mankind while viewing people as commodities to be manipulated in the ministration of fiendish ambitions. Some expositors believe that the origins of this phenomenon began in the distant past when a fire in the mind of Lucifer caused the powerful cherub to exalt himself above the good of God's creation. The once glorified spirit driven mad by an unequivocal thirst to rule, conquer, and dominate spawned similar lust between his followers, the other fallen angels that end up following him, which continues today among agents of the dark power. That's a good point. At Satan's desire, these evil entities command the supernatural geopolitical sphere. These rulers of darkness who work in and through human counterparts, who in turn command spirits of lesser rank until every level of earthly government, secular and religious, can be touched by its influence. If we could see through the veil into this dominion, we would find a world alive with good against evil. That would be honestly beneficial for a lot of us. Myself included. Because then we could actually, we would actually see, wow, <laughs> This world that I'm actually living in is really not even, it's not really so much the real world as the spiritual world is more real. Because that's literally good against evil. There's no real veneer about like so much that goes on in this world is, is so superfluous and not in, inconsequential so much of the time in regard to the grand scheme of who ends up in heaven or hell. Whereas the spiritual battle that takes place around us all the time, that's much more actually important and real than we really can comprehend because we can't see into that dimension. Unless you have your third eye open, which isn't really a good thing, um, unless you're like an occultist. So going forward, further there, um, we would find a world alive with good against evil, a place where the ultimate prize is the souls of men, and where legions war for control of its cities and people. With vivid testimony to this, Satan offered Jesus all the power and the glory of the governments of the world. Satan said in Luke 4, 6-7, All this power, or control, I will give thee, and the glory of them, meaning the earthly cities that he controlled, 
most likely, and that, that was what he was in reference to. For that is delivered unto me, and whomsoever I will give it. If thou therefore wilt worship me, all shall be thine. He wanted Jesus Christ to fall down and worship him. According to the epistle of the Ephesians, it is this dominion, not flesh and blood, where the opposition to God's will on earth is initiated. Whereas people and institutions often provide the faces on our problems, the conflict originates beyond them in this place where unforeseen forces scheme. Uh, and this is why the Bible says, lest Satan should get an advantage of us, for we are not ignorant of his devices. You've heard me quote that verse many times. And again, it's very important in today's day and age of why that's so incredibly important. These forces may indeed be more influential than anyone ever imagined. In fact, there is a strong likelihood that the first murder recorded in Genesis was demonically inspired. Do you ever wonder why sin is personified when God warns Cain, quote, if thou doest well, shall thou not be accepted? Now this is Genesis 4-7. He's telling this to Cain. God's speaking to Cain. He says, if thou doest well, shall thou not be accepted? And if thou doest not well, sin lieth at the door. So, sin lieth at the door when you don't do well. And unto thee shall be his desire. It's like saying sin has a desire. His desire. Sin's desire. Doesn't it seem odd that sin is a him, and if Cain does not do well, he will be sin's desire? How could sin have a desire? My comment, because the sin is inspired by evil entities who have a desire for anything unholy, sinful, and evil. That's why. Sin does not lie in wait, but demons do. So just prior to the first murder in history, sin is depicted as a doorway devil waiting for an opportune time, an invitation which comes all too soon for Cain. What if the reality described above is only part of the story? What if at at least some instances there are something more physical than the whispered influences demons have on humankind? What if there is a tangible Nephilim human hybrids walking amongst us, fit extensions for incarnation or embodiment of powerful alien demonic entities, such as the creatures in the movies they, in the movie they live, or the giants or fallen ones of ancient days? I mean, shouldn't we be expecting this to happen? To, for them to walk among... They were walking among us in, in Noah's day. Okay? Just then it was way more outward. But shouldn't we be expecting this to happen at some point? For them to be openly walking among us? Is such a concept too incredible to be substantive? In this, and is this secret knowledge why Vatican astronomer Guy C. sent us the story of the Nephilim from the Bible as an example of the kind of space saviors Man will soon look to for salvation, suggesting that Jesus himself was actually an alien-human hybrid. Among secular and religious researchers today, there is a contentious behind-the-scenes debate going on in this regard, which has been growing in intensity over the last few years among those who recognize, first of all, that genetically modified plants, animals, and yes, even humans are now a reality. Unnatural forms of life first sprang up in the ancient of ancient days and according to the Bible and is this and is this a repeatable phenomenon 
Uh, absolutely it is. That is, human hybridization not only happened in the earliest times, but was followed by at least a second wave during the Abraham, Moses, and Davidic kingdoms. And more importantly, was prophesied to erupt once more in the latter days by Jesus Christ himself. Meaning, we have this, it says it right in Genesis 6, it says there were giants in those days, and also after that. After the flood there were giants. Where? When they go into the promised land. Just read it. <laughs> they battled giant races and specific giants, Goliath and his four brothers. I mean, these things were not human. They were not fully human. Okay, there's all types of, of archaeology where they've unearthed these things, but every time, typically when it happens, if the, Smith, if the Smithsonian Institute's anywhere nearby, they're going to make sure that that, those stuff, that stuff goes in, you know, into their secret vault that is never revealed to the public. They don't want to pre- present that archaeological evidence to mankind because it would confirm the Bible. And they don't want to do anything that's going to increase your faith in the Word of God. Okay? So, that's just common common uh, practice for the Smithsonian. If they get a hold of anything like that, they're going to bury it. And they've done it over and over and over again. Okay, so going further, this was prophesied meaning they walk amongst us, to happen once more in latter days. And I'll just give you the two verses where it said, Luke 17, 26, Jesus said, As it was in the days of Noe, or Noah, so shall it be also in the days of the Son of Man. Matthew 24, 37. But as the days of Noah were, so shall also be the coming of the Son of Man be. So, therefore we shall show unequivocally that the question is not whether humans were or can be, or are being hybridized, but whether the so-called aliens, which are nothing more than demonic agencies, are involved in this process. How can they not be? They were in Noah's day. They were after that. Now, again, the spirit behind the aliens and the Nephilim and all that, it's all the same thing. It's all pure evil. It's all Satan at the head. Okay? Just a little bit different way they go about it maybe every time. So, if we go into part four now of this Exo-Vaticana review, stories and legends extending as far back as the beginning of time in every major culture tells us the astonishingly, astonishingly consistent story of, quote, the gods that descend from heaven and materialize in bodies of flesh. Our working hypothesis is that the so-called extraterrestrials are nothing new. Indeed, they have been with us all along. They appear in our literature as far back as records extend. Thus, from Rome to Greece and before that to Egypt, Persia, Assyria, Babylonia, and Sumer, the earliest records of civilization reveal an era where powerful beings known as the Hebrews to the, as the Watchers, known to the Hebrews as the Watchers, and in the book of Genesis as the Benai Elohim or the sons of God descend to earth. Now, remember, when they were the sons of God, they were still good. They hadn't quite fallen yet. Once they fall, they're not referred to as the sons of God. Okay. But they descended to earth, mingled themselves with humans, and gave birth to part celestial, part terrestrial hybrids known as the Nephilim. The Bible says this happened when the civilization expanded and the daughters were born to men. When the sons of God saw the daughters' women, saw the women's beauty, they took wives among them to sire their unusual offspring. In Genesis 6-4, we read the account where it says, There were giants in the earth in those days, and also after that, 
Okay, after the flood, when the sons of God came into the daughters of men, which were came into the daughters of men and bare them children to them, the same became mighty men, which were men of old, men of renown. When this scripture is compared with other ancient texts, including those by early church fathers, the firmly held ancient beliefs become clear that the giants of the Old Testament, such as Goliath, were part human, sometimes part animal, we discussed that not too long ago, part fallen angelic offspring of a supernatural interruption in the divine order and natural propagation of the species. Okay, so that's what they were. They were a an absolute defilement of God's creation, in this case, humanity. So, I did a teaching, it was on 127, parts 2, 3, it's actually at the end of part 2, 3, and 4, and I give you the links here, where we talk about the first hybrids. A detailed study on the Nephilim, the Giants, the Fallen Angels, the Book of Enoch, Jasher, DNA, hybrids, Chimeras, Walkins, Soul Scalped, Demon Possession, UFOs, the Ascended Masters, Maitreya, Aliens, ETs and the Greys, and the Watchers, and many other historical writings pertaining to these subjects. So I give you the links to these. Um, it's going to probably be on, end up being on page 12 of the PDF for March 3rd, 2013. And you can explore that if you like. Going to the next part. Um, because that teaching I just cited was pretty much on this fourth part of what we were talking about. So I don't want to be redundant. Let's just go to part five of this report on Exo Vaticana, and we'll explore that. On November 28, 2012, during the third season of Conspiracy Theory with Jesse Ventura, the True TV program looked into the human-animal hybrid experiments that supposedly have gone on beyond the Petri dish with rumors that a real-life Planet of the Apes is being created. Uh, season three, episode four, is called Manimal. I actually did watch this and was described on Ventura's website saying, science has made major breakthroughs in drug research and transplant technology by experimenting on chimeras, which are human-animal embryo hybrids. But these seemingly noble goals may be covering up a much more nefarious purpose to create half-human, half-ape super-soldiers, paving the way for a real Planet of the Apes showdown. Among the scores of research papers, DARPA, budget line items, suspect locations where human-animal hybrid experimentation ethics may have passed the curtain of acceptability. The media reports forwarded to the producers was on Reuters news article dated November 9, 2009, titled, Scientists Want Debate on Animals with Human Genes, which hinted at just how far scientists have come uh, and how far they intend to go with the human-animal hybridization. The news piece started out a mouse that can speak, a monkey with Down syndrome, dogs with human hands or feet. I think that'd be kind of neat, you know, dogs with human hands and feet. Anyway, just kidding. British scientists want to know if such experiments are acceptable, and then continued with revelations that scientists inside Britain were comfortable now with up to a 50-50% animal-human integration. <laughs> they're, they're comfortable with that, you know. Well, I guess you could just have pets, half human, half animal. You know, I mean, I think they'd be easier to train, I imagine. They'd be a little more up on the whole, you know, roll over and sit and, you know, make sure you use the litter box type of thing. Um, can actually kind of communicate with you. The article implied that not all research currently under design is kept at the embryonic level. And that fully mature monstrosities like the creature in the 2010 movie Splice, which there's a picture here of this horrifically looking nasty devil, are quieter under study. 
<laughs> this is just this is so un just unbelievable. If it didn't take long to surmise if the Reuters article was simply speculating or if there indeed were scientists already experimenting with human-animal creations beyond the embryonic stage. In July of 2011, Britain Academy of Medical Sciences admitted in a 148-page report how such science is advancing so quickly and being conducted in so many laboratories around the world without appropriate oversight that an international regulatory commission is urgently needed to oversee the creation of these part-human, part-animal, part-synthetic chimeras. Interestingly, the AMS did not call for prohibition of the science, but rather an international supervisory board under which the science can fully be and officially proceed. So, no, 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 we don't want to stop it. We just want to, you know, maybe just regulate it a little more. In the precis of their analyses, they considered research that involves the introduction of human DNA sequence into animals, or the mixing of human and animal cells or tissues to create entities we refer to as animals containing human material, or ACHMs. Animals containing human material. They then confessed such approaches are long established, and thousands of different ACHM animal-human hybrids have been used in biomedical research. Yet they have Recently, yet they have uh, received relatively little public discussion. Imagine that. What type of beings did Britain's leading scientists know of or or suspect is now secretly under study? From the study of the paper, we find extensive modification of the brain of the animal by implementation of human-derived cells, which might result in altered cognitive capacity approaching human consciousness or sentience or human-like behavioral capabilities. They're going to modify the brain of an animal so it's basically very, very human-like and so that it can actually achieve human consciousness, sentience, or human behavioral capabilities. Situations where functional human gametes, eggs and sperms, might develop from precursor cells in an animal and where fertilization between human and animal gametes might occur. Yes, folks, we are talking about animals that can conceive from human sperm and give birth to human, human slash animals. This is the brave, new, wonderful world we're moving into. This is happening. This is an absolute fact. Because why? Why would Satan want this? Because he knows no human slash animal can be saved. If you're 10% cow and 90% human, he didn't, Jesus Christ didn't come here to pay the, the price for the 10% cow. You're not fully human. You're unredeemable. That's why Satan wants to defile God's creation, not only just to mock him and to try to just do anything he can do to defy God, but also the salvation implication when you have humans involved. Cellular or genetic modifications which could result in animals with aspects of human-like appearance, skin type, limb, or facial structure, or characteristics such as speech or other, in other words, hybrids. Only one day after the Academy of Medical Sciences circulated this report, the popular UK Mail Online published a story detailing 
how in just one instance of potentially tens of thousands, scientists have created more than 150 human-animal hybrid embryos in British laboratories. The hybrids have been produced secretively over the past three years by researchers looking into the possible cures for a wide range of diseases. The revelation comes just one day after a committee of scientists warned of a nightmare, Planet of the Apes scenario, in which the work on the human-animal creations goes too far. And here's the actual report. There's a, you can see it, the uh, 150 human-animal hybrids grown in UK labs. They're doing this. I mean, what an abomination from the pit of hell. They're doing it, though. Such chimeras are supposedly destroyed at the embryonic level. Okay, while such chimeras are supposedly destroyed at the embryonic level, um, my comment, yeah, I'm sure Satan, who is the author of all this, playing God by defiling every species on the planet, is playing nice and totally above board with all his admissions, meaning destroying all these human-animal, human hybrid chimeras. Okay? We know they're not being destroyed. Uh, Going further, experts involved in the field who also interviewed by Reuters admitted some scientists in some places want to push the boundaries. In other words, there are splice-like creatures in laboratory settings right now Locations that these scientists have left unmentioned. Who knows what's going on in the underground um, bases around the planet? (laughs) I mean, I've heard some stories of things you couldn't even imagine going on. You better believe if Satan can conceive it, he's going to be doing it. Martin Bobrow, professor of medical genetics at Cambridge University, hinted as why this is the case. There is a whole raft of new scientific techniques that will make it not only easier, but also more important to be able to do these cross-species experiments. One place where researchers may have already considered this research to be so important that it justifies pushing those boundaries uh, was the British scientists alluded to, is the Yorkshire's National Primate Research Center at Emory uh, University in Georgia, originally located in Orange Park, Florida. And I believe that... uh, they went there. Jesse Ventura. That's where they talked about the humanzies. Humans and chimpanzees. I was actually humanzy in a former life. I don't like to admit it, but past my incarnation of a dung beetle, I was then became a humanzy. So anyway, just a little trivia about me. Just kidding. Anyway, so this is one of eight national primate research centers funded by the National Institutes of Health, both of which have shown interest in combining animal and human genetics to create a new species. Well, this is all such an abomination. I mean, it's just, that's all this is. It's pure wickedness. The Discovery Channel, on March 27, 1998, in an episode of Unsolved History, discussed a report by Dr. Gordon Gallup, a psychologist from the University of Albany, on the Yerkes National Primate Research Center, in which he confessed a human chimp hybrid was successfully engendered and born at the center, but was destroyed by the scientists soon after. This should come as no surprise, as Emory's professors, including Rabbi Michael Broyd, have argued very recently that Jewish law would support animalized humans so as long as the technology produces superior people. And my comment is, what Jewish law? The Kabbalah and the Talmud? (laughs) Because it's sure not the Bible. 
you know, or even, you know, anything in the Old Testament. In an October um, 7th article, in an, in an October 7th article, uh, 2011 article, the university's website, Broid then states, genetic engineering in which the traits of different individuals or animals are combined already has resulted in amazing combinations. They're openly admitting to this. Jewish law would support similar intentional human to animal chimerism in which the embryonic material of two fetuses is mixed. Or the human, uh, actually that was human-human, in which the embryonic material of two fetuses is mixed, or human-animal chimerism, in which the cells of a human are mixed with the cells of an animal. Processes and technologies that result in healthy or healthier children are intrinsically good and should be embraced and not feared. Oh, intrinsically good. What, the world according to you? You demon-possessed devil? So in other words, the ends justify the means. It doesn't matter as long as the byproduct is superior to what we have. That's all that matters. The first known genetically altered humans were born over a decade ago as a result of an experimental program at the Institute of Reproductive Medicine and Science at St. Barnabas in New Jersey. An article at that time explained part of the research saying the babies were born to women who have had problems conceiving. Extra genes from a female donor were inserted into the eggs before they were fertilized in an attempt to enable them to conceive. Genetic fingerprint tests on two one-year-old children confirm that they have inherited DNA from three adults. Two women and one man. Concerning these experiments, Dr. Joseph Mercola points out something very important. Today, these children are in their early teens. And while the original study claims that this was the first case of human germline genetic modification resulting in normal, healthy children, later reports put such claims of an absolute success in dispute, meaning not all the genetically engineered kids were necessarily healthy. What does that do to them on a spiritual level, from God's standpoint? <laughs> I have no idea, but it can't be good. can't be. You're playing God, you're tinkering with only things God should be the author of, and you cannot expect that to turn out good. Dr. McCullough continues, it's relevant to understand that these children have inherited extra genes. That two women, that of two women and one man, and they will be able to pass this extra set of genetic traits onto their own offspring. One of the most shocking considerations here is that this was done repeatedly, even though no one knows what the ramifications of having these genetic traits of these three parents might be for an individual or for their subsequent offspring. Who knows? But it's not of God, that's for sure. Based on what I've learned about genetic engineering of plants, I'm inclined to say the ramifications could be potentially vast, dire, and completely unexpected. Yeah, amen. For those inclined to believe the astonishing report above was an isolated incident, British scientists repeatedly repeated the same experiments in 2008. And in 2012, the Oregon Health and Sciences University conducted similar research aimed at producing genetically engineered superbabies. Yet regardless how many times this and other forms of human genetic tinkering have been secretly conducted outside public or congressional review, it is important to understand how germline genetic engineering 
as was used in this one example where 30 genetically modified children were created, reflects the very modus operandi that fallen angels used to introduce inheritable modifications to the human genotype that give birth literally to worldwide changes in the gene pool through natural propagation. In other words, if the foundations be destroyed, what can the righteous do? If you start to introduce these genetic variants, these ungodly, demonic, evil, genetic variants into people, and then they procreate, and they have offspring, those same demonic genetic attributes are going to be propagated. Dr. Mercola's concerns are thus highly appropriate in that the current GE models on humans carry the same potential as when all flesh was corrupted in the Old Testament and had to be destroyed by God. Exactly. That's exactly why Satan's doing it. Because all flesh had been corrupted, essentially, in Genesis 6. God had to start over. Satan's trying to do the exact same thing today through this garbage and through a plethora of other things. He's trying to kill off... Well, if he killed off all humanity, the book of Revelation couldn't be fulfilled. And things that are said about Daniel. As a result, germline engineering is considered by some conservative bioethicists to be the most dangerous of human enhancement technology as it has the power to truly reassemble the very nature of humanity into post-human. Altering an embryo's every cell and leading to transferable modifications extending to all generations. Debate over germline engineering is therefore... Most critical, because once changes to downline genetic offspring are set in motion, the genotype and phenotype, which means nature, physical makeup, and behavior, of mankind will be altered with no hope of reversal, thereby permanently reshaping humanity's future. In spite of that, according to ethicists like Oxford University professor Julian Salvescu, not only do we have a moral obligation to engineer such people, but embryos that do not meet certain genetic improvements in the future should not be allowed to live. Dr. Richard Seed, a physicist in Chicago, went further, warning anybody that has plans of standing in the way of this dream that they had better rethink their opposition. We are going to become gods, period. This is what this, this devil's saying. We are going to become gods, period. If you don't like it, get off. You don't have to contribute, you don't have to participate, but if you're going to interfere with me becoming a God, capital G, you're going to have trouble. There'll be warfare. Ooh, I'm so scared. I'm just trembling in my boots. And it had been better for people like this to have never been born, truly. Professor Seed and Salvescu are not alone in their strong beliefs. Dr. Gregory Stock, a respected proponent of germline technology argues, quote, we have spent billions to unravel our biology, not out of idle curiosity, but in the hope of bettering our lives, being as gods. We, I put the being as gods, then he goes on to say, we are not about to turn away from this, he says. Elsewhere, Stock does admit, however, that this could lead to clusters of genetically enhanced superhumans who will dominate, if not enslave us. Ah, you know, those are the it's the drawbacks. You know, they're going to dominate us and enslave us. But, you know, at least we created some superhuman uh, devil boy that can go out there and rule humanity. Thus, from the human ape army, plans of Ilava Ivanov under Soviet dictator Joseph Stalin, 
To the early part of the 20th century, where Adolf Hitler instructed Joseph Mengele to perform horrific experiments on live human beings in concentration camps to test their genetic theories, to the U.S., where up until the 1970s, more than 60,000 Americans were sterilized after being deemed inferior genetic stock, and that's just a few examples, the dream of a one day of advancing to the next step of human evolution through engineering Homo Superior has always had its champions. The difference until lately has been the Frankensteinian visionaries lacked the biotechnical skills and the public's will to enable large-scale genetic and neurological engineering of ourselves. Today, that has changed. The technology has arrived, and the will to birth a new form of man has at least entered its fledgling state, if not secretly advanced altogether. Of course it has, they're just not telling us the full story. Even the recent Olympics underscored the science, pointing out the specter of clandestinely modified humans. Chinese swimmer Yi Shiwen's superhuman-like performance led John Leonard, the director of the World Swimming Coaches Association, to describe the 16-year-old's world-setting feat as suspicious disturbing, and unbelievable. Authorities who tested Yi Shawin for drug abuse should have also checked to see if there was something unusual going on in terms of genetic manipulation. Dr. Ted Friedman, chair of the genetics panel of the, anti, the World Anti-Doping Agency, agreed, saying he would not be surprised at all if genetic enhancements were not now being used secretly on humans. Meaning, the Chinese genetically modified her from birth to have these superhuman... She was 16 years old and she set, I mean, blew away some of these like world records. 16. And prior to that had gotten nowhere near this. And all of a sudden comes out of nowhere and sets all these world records at the Olympics. I mean, we know the Chinese love to cheat anyway. I'm not saying other countries don't, but I'm saying, I mean, look at the Chinese Olymp uh, um, uh, gymnast debacle when they had it in China. I mean, those girls looked like they were eight years old. Oh, no, no, they're of age. They're of age. They can do this. I mean, they looked like they were like, like out of the toddler stage, some of them. I'm like, I'm like are you kidding me? And and yet, no, no, they're they're of age. I mean, you know, so... Anyway, um, we're just just expect to see more of this in the future. In other words, Aldous Huxley's dystopian Brave New World is already slipping uh, in under most of the public's radar. Human prenatal diagnosis, screening fetal genomes, and the designer children were just the first cracks in the dam holding back incremental changes due to the human genetic reservoir this century. And experts are now admitting it. This includes the Academy of Medical Sciences mentioned earlier, which published Human Enhancement and the Future of Work, wherein they documented the alarming trend aimed at augmenting humans, both cognitively and physically. In this new study, the collaborative team characterized serious concerns over the burgeoning hybrid age as having already started, in which the arrival of a new form of man is upon the horizon. Now, if you take just... This is, we're getting into the fifth and sixth parts of the study today, of, of this critique of these reports from Exo Vaticana online. If you look at the big picture of all this, all of this fits together like a jigsaw puzzle, perfectly. All of this stuff does. 
It's all pointing in the same direction. You know, genetically modifying man so he is totally incapable of achieving salvation through the Lord Jesus Christ. Because they've been defiled genetically, spiritually, in every way, shape, and form you can imagine. That's what this is all about. This is what Satan's agenda is behind all of this. So, going forward here, um, in the new study, the collaborative team characterized serious concerns over the burgeoning hybrid age as having already stated started, in which the arrival of a new form of man is upon the horizon. What new breeds of hominid do they foresee? An example from page 26 of their work highlights how people could be engineered to have serpentine qualities. Like a serpent? Yeah. But, and it, this is official. Academy of Medical Sciences, British Academy, Human Enhancement of the Future Work, page 26, reads, quote, Participants discussed how these kinds of techniques may be in the future aid research into the extension of the, hu- the range of human vision to include additional wavelengths. Examples exist in animals, such as snakes that can detect infrared wavelengths, which might provide a source of research for developing approaches that can be used in humans. We can all walk around slit snake eyes. You know, we could be, you know, they can be like their father the devil and, and have the actual slits from top to bottom, snake eyes. But hey, I got great vision, you know, on my way to hell, but boy, I got good vision, you know. Potential applications could be envisioned in the military, but also other employment from night watchmen, safety inspectors, gamekeepers, even including the possibility of enhanced vision at night. So it's almost like they're going to engineer people for certain jobs. Okay, this one's going to... We, we birthed him to be a gamekeeper. Or a night watchman. That is the insanity we're talking about. To assure tomorrow's snake people will not only see in the dark, but are appropriately plugged into the end times grid they will serve, the looming reptilian humans will also have Borg-like physical and digital enhancements such as cybernetic implants and advanced machine interfacing technologies, according to the study. So, Satan's plans for for humanity genetically modify us from birth so that we're some type of chimeric part animal, probably part fallen angel, part human abomination in God's eyes. And then go one step further and have all types of implants in us. The mark of the beast will be the ultimate implant. But neural implants and all these other things to further make us into a cyborg. This is the plan for humanity. And it's becoming more and more in your face all the time. This is where it's going to end up. This is why I report on this type of stuff. Because this is not conjecture This is Satan's plan. This is part of the New World Order that's coming. Whenever these authors speak of the subjects of transhumanism and the looming human enhancement era, people are surprised to learn the many ways in which the United States government has committed taxpayer money to institutions such as Case Law School in Cleveland, Ohio, for developing the actual guidelines that will be used for setting government and public policy around the next step in human evolution through genetic alteration. They're already designing laws 
special laws that are going to apply to these chimeric genetic freak offspring that are soon to be walking the streets out in the open. Because they'll have a different set of laws governing them, most likely. Because they're not going to be fully human. What do you think of them apples? I mean, isn't this just fun stuff? Recently, Maxwell Mealman, the professor of bioethics at Case Law School of Medicine, began traveling the United States offering two university lectures. One was entitled, Directed Evolution, Public Policy and Human Enhancement. And the other one was Transhumanism and the Future of Democracy. These talks are designed to inform and persuade college students on the need for society to comprehend how emerging fields of science have already set in motion what some are calling the, quote, hybrid age. A time when what it means to be human will be forever changed. They are going to be what they call post-human. This is the transhumanism movement that I've done teachings on. Just key in transhumanism in the keyword search box at contendingfortruth.com. All the various ways that Satan is, is attempting to defile our genetics. I mean, hey, if you're a cyborg, part machine, part human, you know, what's happening to you on a spiritual level? That's what you're not seeing. It's revealing that many of these technocrats admit that being influenced by the works of men like Frederick Nietzsche, from whom the phrase God is dead is derived from Nietzsche, I mean, these guys are always ungodly, always evil, always just out to just take as many people to hell with them as possible and to totally try to destroy your faith in God and the word of God. That's what they're about. Why? Because they want to be gods and they don't want to have to answer to a holy God. So they're going to try to destroy your faith. That's why they do what they do. And they also are, are... lovers of men like Goethe, the author of Faust, Nietzsche was the originator of the, quote, overman, which Adolf Hitler dreamed of engineering. This is the entity that man, according to Nietzsche, will eventually evolve into. I would assume it's like the god-man, the, 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 the fifth root race that uh, Hitler was trying to bring about, the, the perfect Aryan super-soldier. Like the ancient watchers before them, transhumanists dream of giving life to Nietzsche's overman by remanufacturing men with animals, plants, and other synthetic life forms through, among other things, the use of recombinant DNA technology, germline engineering, and transgenics, which we just all talked about, all those things, in which the genetic structure of one species is altered by the transfer of genes to another. All defiling God's creation. Okay, and then the last part here, part six, we're almost done. Um... Based on facts detailed in previous entries, we started this part of the investigation saying the question is not whether humans were or can be or are being hybridized, but whether the alien demonic agencies are involved in that very process. Today, what some call alien abduction, in which a breeding program allegedly exists resulting in alien-human hybrids, seems to be but a contemporary retelling of similar DNA harvesting and genetic manipulation by those mysterious beings called Watchers, whose genetic modification activities we have discussed. UFO researcher John Keel stated in Operation Trojan Horse, that, quote, demonology is just not another crackpotology. It is an ancient and scholarly study of the monsters and demons who have seemingly coexisted with man throughout history. 
The manifestations and occurrences described in this imposing literature are similar, if not entirely identical to the UFO phenomenon itself. Meaning all these stories of old and all these legends and myths and stuff is very, very, very close, if not identical, to the UFO phenomenon we have today. It's just Satan's repackaged it today in the whole sci-fi genre in order to make it more palatable for us to accept. Whereas the Greeks had their legends and these types of things. It was more open in those days. Today it's being done a little differently. Victims of demonomania or possession suffer the very same medical and emotional symptoms as UFO contactees. Did you know that? Yeah. The devil and his demons can, according to the literature, manifest themselves in almost any form and can physically imitate anything from angels to horrifying monsters with glowing eyes. Strange objects and entities materialize and dematerialize in these stories, just as the UFOs and their occupants appear in uh, appear and disappear, walk through walls, and perform other supernatural feats. Associate Professor of Psychology Elizabeth L. Hillstrom was even more inflexible on her comparisons between alien experiences and historical demonic activity, quoting in her book Testing the Spirits an impressive list of scholars from various disciplines who concluded that similarities between ETs and demons is, le- is unlikely coincidental. Hillstrom cites authorities of the first rank, including Pierre Guerin, a scientist associated with the French National Council for Scientific Research, who believes, quote, the modern UFO knots and demons of past days are probably identical. And veteran researcher John Keel, who reckons the UFO manifestations seem to be, by and large, merely minor variations of the age-old demonological phenomenon, or demons. The following is a chilling excerpt from Mac's Passport to the Cosmos. Some abductees feel that certain beings seem to want to take their souls from them. Abductees, UFO abductees. These beings want to seem to take their souls from them. Greg told me that the terror of his encounters with certain reptilian beings was so intense that he feared being separated from his soul. If I were to be separated from my soul, he said, I would not have any sense of being. I think all my consciousness would go. I would cease to exist. Well, you'd exist in hell. That would be the worst thing anyone could do to me. End of quote. You see a movie like that movie, The Fourth Kind. I think you get a little insight into the type of terror that these abductees, when they're allowed to recall, and I don't recommend hypnosis, but when they're allowed to recall these abduction scenarios fully, the type of terror that they undergo, I think it's a pretty good example, the, the type of hell that they're being put through with these abduction scenarios. Mac recorded page after page of such transparently demonic phenomenon, another victim described her horse, saying, I knew instinctively that whatever that thing was next to me wanted to enter me. It was just waiting to enter me. Now, these are abductive victims. Of course, this screams demonic possession. In contrast, Jacques Vallée connects the dots by saying, quote, the medical examination to which abductees are said to be subjected 
often accompanied by sadistic sexual manipulation, is reminiscent of the medieval tales of encounters with demons. Even, Even the secular UFOologists are saying this stuff. And the Vatican and the Vatican's astronomers and the Catholic Church responds by saying, no, there are space brothers and there's nothing demonic or evil about these close encounters of a fourth kind, which are the encounters where you literally get abducted. The first kind is seeing a UFO. Close encounter of the second kind is where you find evidence of it. Close encounter of the third kind is where you make contact with a devil posing as an alien. And close encounters of the fourth kind is where you get taken aboard the mothership and you get the full works, man. And it's beyond, beyond, beyond anything as far as terror that you can imagine. Over and over and over again. But there, but there are buddies and there are friends and they, and they, they mean us no harm. No, we'll just ignore all the millions and millions of reports of saying otherwise. Because the Catholic Church said it, so we need to believe it. Um, just goes to show you how wicked and evil and who they're literally in bed with. They're in bed with Satan. So, here you have the Catholic Church trying to justify all of this wicked, evil, demonic, satanic behavior with the whole UFO genre. <laughs> and they're over there trying to justify it and saying that they're going to be their goodwill ambassadors. That's, that's great, I'll tell you. It's a real match made in hell there. Um, with these sorts of characterizations coming from even secular sources, it should be no surprise that we also connect the UFO ET phenomenon with demonic activity. The ET religion is used to refer to the false but positive aspect of the extraterrestrials. This is what the Catholic Church is promoting. Who are portrayed not as fallen angels and scheming demons, but as our saviors, our creators, and in the hybridization myth, Partners in continued evolution and survival. That's the essence. That last sentence that I just said was the essence of today's teaching. In one sentence, if you could sum it up, that was the sentence. And that's where we're going to end for today because we've got through all six parts we were trying to get through. So, um, I will go ahead and close this out in a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, we do thank you for this time that you've given us, letting us come together again, Lord. And I just pray that your truth, your word, Lord God, would go forth, would you give us eyes to see, ears to hear, and hearts to receive, Lord, that these things would, um, you would equip us and prepare us for the times to come, that we would not be ignorant of Satan's devices, Lord, and that we would know the truth, Lord, and we would be able to actually go forth and help other people to see that truth as well, and that you would use us, the body of Christ, mightily for your glory, and that through us, you would lead many people to the Lord Jesus Christ. Pray you forgive us for any and all sins we've committed, as we forgive those who have sinned against us, and that the words of our mouth and the meditations of our heart would be acceptable and pleasing in thy sight, O Lord, our strength and our Redeemer, and that you cleanse us from presumptuous sins and secret faults, that they would not have dominion over us. We ask all these things in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen.